Hello everyone and welcome to your latest edition of Fireside with Founders. This time I'm super excited <clears throat> to welcome Tommy Toner, who is currently co-founder and VP of product at Cuckoo. So before joining Cuckoo, Tommy was design director and UX manager for the car brand Nissan. Um, previously, he's got over 13 years of experience working in the UX, UI, CX, and strategy space. He's worked for multiple brands, including Sky, Jaguar Land Rover, Formula One, Google, BBC, to name but a few. So without further ado, I hope you're all enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome to Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank Good you. Morning. Thanks for, yeah, glad to, be on, glad to be on. Thanks for having me. No worries. The sun is shining. Uh, we're both in sunny Wiltshire today, living the, uh, I suppose, the, the countryside dream. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to get outside. It's looking great. Good. Well, I'll try not to keep you too long. Uh, so <laughs> we'll get through. So I'm going to start by um, before we sort of deep dive into to you, your background, and a bit more about Cuckoo. Um, I'm going to go through our our sort of inaugural um, quickfire round. So I'll talk through some sort of questions, and you answer them as best as you can. So first question: <laughs> okay, Fire away. Cats or dogs? Oh, dogs. Okay, good. Audi or Nissan? Nissan. That's my old brand. Yeah, I thought, I thought you might <laughs> say that. <laughs> yeah. uh, red or rosé? Red all the way. Although, on a summer evening, can't fault a bit of rosé. So We're getting you know, to rosé weather. You know, it's nearly there. We are. Do you know what? Today, I'm a, I'm a rosé person. Okay. But um, yeah. normally I'm red. Okay, good. Uh, wakeboard or snowboard? oh that's a tough one i do both um wakeboard no snowboard <laughs> <laughs> we'll take your first answer <laughs> uh apple or android apple i used to flip-flop every phone contract between them but now i'm just settled i'm a, I'm a settled person you're in okay good uh final question big mac or whopper quarter pounder with cheese mate Oh, so neither. You've just completely, neither. completely stumped me. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. Well, there, there endeth the quickfire round. So thanks for taking part. Um, so, Tommy, tell us a bit more about, about you and some of your background, because you've, you've been in the design world for, for quite a while without making you sound you know, older than you actually are. But so tell us a bit more about sort of where, where you come from um, up until your time now with, with Cuckoo. Yeah, sure. I'm not as old as I look, by the way. It's just the silver hair is um, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, misleading. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I start, So I went to university and studied kind of a, a, one of the first degrees in user experience in design. Uh, it was called New Media, actually. Um, and then from the, off the back of that, well, before, before I, how I got into design in the first place, a number of sort of random things, but one of them was I used to design club flyers for... Um, drum and bass nights believe it or not around the west country and like bath trowbridge bristol um and then yeah i went to uni um to study design and user experience and then uh first job funnily enough was front-end dev uh, where i was kind of just doing html css okay. javascript for for an agency called teabag 
um, just did that for a little little short stint um, and realized actually, do you know what, my heart is is design. Um, moved on, to first role uh, was actually at B Sky B at Sky. Um, I worked for Sky Betting and Gaming and also sort of overlapped with Sky Sports, um, doing a lot of their kind of advertisement. I was a junior designer working on, on that, the kind of ads. So I don't know if you know, you know, when you see a collage of load of football players, yeah, Sky, Sky, you're very, very good at. They're, they're kind of they're classic. You know, all the Premier League footballers back in the day for me, it was like uh, Rooney and Drog- yeah. Didier Drogba, um, with the two like the the poster boys, the icons, um, yeah, of our era probably. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be cutting them out in Photoshop um, for literally hours and hours a day, uh, putting them together and putting them on ad banners. Um, and then yeah, move. I kind of I loved it, and I learned loads. Got very good with the pen tool in Photoshop. But uh, I moved on to the, the product design team, which people would now I guess call the kind of UX UI. Um, it wasn't when I first started in that team. There wasn't a differentiation really between UX UI. It was kind of just a pool a pool of designers, yeah. um, and then eventually it kind of broke out into into sort of specialists. Um, but I was very much more on the UI side. I, I preferred the kind of taking the thinking and requirements and applying it, you know, applying that brand layer. Um, and I was always kind of fascinated by the micro interactions that those early days when responsive web was like a, a thing or a, yeah. a buzzword. Um, obviously now it's just, you know, day to day. Yeah, we worked on apps. We worked on uh, the, the, the resp- early responsive, or the first responsive websites when they had to become responsive for mobile. Um, yeah, and then, and, and, that, and that was great. I loved it. And that was kind of, that was my, where I first got my teeth into everything. Um, so I was there for a couple of years and left as a senior product designer. Um, and then I decided I moved to London and went freelance, um, working in a number of different ad agencies, creative agencies, um, just, in, yeah, a few of them, like, was it Be Real, Studio Output, um, Analog Folk, Digital SLBI, those kind of things. So some of the big... Nice, some of the big, well-known brands that are out there. Yeah, and and... I worked on some really cool projects actually looking back um a national trust uh harry potter like what was what's now called the wizardingworld.com which is that's one of my favorite projects uh, um we worked with a really great team and we were literally just you know tasked with creating magic online it's amazing amazing wow <laughs> um yes yeah, so i did the kind of agency circuit for a couple of years well about eight years i think um before then going back in house um so i got um, I, I joined Nissan, um, as it's pronounced. I used to call it. Yeah, okay. Because I, yeah, I said Nissan. I've said it wrong then. So first faux pas. So Nissan. Okay. Yes, yeah, Nissan. And yeah, then and the, the Japanese are very, um, you know, would would correct. Used to correct me, my <laughs> the um, my Japanese colleagues. But yeah, it, and there was no global UX team at the time um, that was responsible solely for global customer experience kind of strategy and how the how the brand the core brand which is done by a number of different agencies and kind of um, and other global teams how the, how does that then get rolled out and executed in the digital world um so i was the second ux designer there um to join um and kind of led on the sort of yeah ux ui and sort of creative direction of the the digital platforms there was 200 websites worldwide wow um across infinity which is the premium brand Datsun and, and Nissan. Uh, and yeah, we worked very closely with the agencies, uh, which was, was Digitas and then Sapient. Um, yeah, and, then, and, and we, we were kind of responsible for 
all the customer journeys. So from looking at how you discover if Nissan's the right brand for you, choosing what car you, you is potentially right for, for, for you, and then through to that, that purchase journey, um, through to then after sales and care, and then actually then when you have the car, so that kind of connected car experience. Nice. That how, what, and we were kind of doing everything from the vision setting, blue sky thinking, like selling in the, the strategy to, to sort of the, the, the sort of global team in, uh, over in Japan, but also doing the production on it. So actually rolling that stuff out, the nitty gritty. Um, so it's quite far reaching. And that was across native mobile web um, and what we call fidgetal, which is the buzzword at the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and, um, and then, and then, and then, as I left, I left there after a couple of years um, as, as the global design director, um, sort of managing the team of, of uh, designers, um, agency, and in-house. Um, and then, yeah, and I took the leap. <laughs> to took to the leap it. into into startup world. And so, so I was actually reading uh, about sort of you sort of taking the the leap into into the world. And um, if I'm not mistaken, and part of the the question around sort of um, uh big big mac or whopper you, you you caught me off guard i didn't expect you to say uh um uh, quarter pounder because i understand that some of the idea was thought up in a burger king car park uh around sort of cuckoo when you're talking about the, the name and and all of this sort of stuff so um tell us a bit more about then you taking that sort of leap of faith and how you and, uh, and alex and dan came up with the the concept and and why you have done your reading. I did wonder where that where that question came from. Um, so yeah, I'm actually I prefer McDonald's on a, on a given day, but the, the story is correct. You're right. It was Burger King. So rewind to late 2018. Um, Alex, who's the CEO of Cuckoo, um, we know each other from before. We'd worked we'd worked together previously. We were in a Burger King car park um a real grizzly one in like south wales on the way up to um to the brecon beacons Perfect. And yeah yeah on a really rainy friday night in winter um it was miserable actually and we knew that the weekend ahead was was um it was gonna be really cold and wet um, anyway so we're sat in this car park and, and alex actually just goes to me he's like we're just chatting away and he's like tommy i've got this idea right um He's like, don't tell anyone. But, you know, the broadband industry is broken, right? It's, you know, Trustpilot. If you look at Trustpilot for, um, uh, I won't name the brands, actually. Yeah. That's, I'm but, to name a brand. But, the, yeah. but the big four, let's say the big four, broadband, yeah. the first four broadband providers that come to your mind are the ones I'm probably referring to. Yeah. They average one to 1.4 on Trustpilot. Um, and, the, and the industry average NPS is, last time I checked, was nine. So a scale of, you know, wow. it goes up to 100. Yeah, um, yeah. That's so pretty, that's pretty shockingly low. Pretty shockingly low, yeah. And Alex is kind of was like, we, you know, there's, he, he used to do PR, he, he was in PR before, and he, he'd, one of his clients was, was Bulb Energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd seen these waves of disruption in energy with the likes of Octopus, Bulb. Uh, and then, we, you know, if you look to finance, you've got, um, you've got Revolut, Monzo, um, et cetera. And then even if you're looking at insurance, you've got like um, all the others, like sort of lemonade and all that. Now you look at broadband, no one, there hasn't been a new, like new challenger or disruptor or someone who's just, someone who's just put in a focus on customer experience 
and nailing that kind of just the user experience, the UX um, at all. I think the latest, probably the newest entrant that most people would have heard of might be Zen. Um, I've, there's a few like altnets who are digging up the ground and they've got huge amounts of investment, things like hyperoptic community fiber in London, but they're not national providers other than Zen. Um, so we were, yeah, the idea was there was basically, could we, could we do, do what we've seen happen in other industries and, and, and do that in broadband? Um, and, you know, you look at, you look at why is we, we basically, we, so, so yeah, we sat in this car park brain day and like great idea. Um, the name was already there, funny enough. Um, it, was, it was from Alex, and we're kind of like, you know, cuckoo in the nest. Could we be yeah. um, the, you know, <laughs> the bird no one wants, you know, the new, the new player kind of laying their egg, or like stealing eggs or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, but yeah, just to dig into like the, 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 the Trustpilot thing. So when I got home from that weekend, I looked on Trustpilot at all of the other providers, and I was like, this is all solvable. Like, it's, like it's bad business practice essentially it's like people getting charged when they shouldn't be charged it's people like it's when you call the customer experience you can't get through to them or yeah. when you do no one knows what you're talking about um or like you know you were on a 12 month or 18 month contract and then you don't realize that you then your contract is finished and then they whack the prices up yeah i'm like right, that's, like that's crazy yeah and how are they getting away with this yeah um, and, and, yeah, and yeah, and then the technology, like when you dig a bit deeper, you realize like they're all running on really archaic systems. Different teams don't talk to each other um, or like we're all very poor communicating between say um, one service team to another service team or the design team to the technology team, this kind of thing. Yeah. And we were just like, do you know what? Perhaps there is an opportunity here. Um, yeah, and that was it. And then it snowballed. <laughs> nice, good. And so you, you had your, one of your sort of two, two co-founders there with you at the time then. So... And so Dan is the the third member of sort of the the founding team, as it were, and he's the, on the technology side of the the business. So how did you how did you sort of get together as a as a trio to, to sort of start pulling it all together? Really? Yeah, Dan 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 is a legend. Um, I first would say so. So Dan Dan is uh, he's Kiwi, but he he actually was spent recent career in Australia, and he'd been working in the sort of challenger energy sector or just the energy sector full stop. So he'd been working on a lot of like um, sort of billing platforms and all this kind of stuff for, for that, for a similar sector. So there was a lot of overlap in the work he'd been doing out in out in Oz is the work that we needed to do over here in broadband. Obviously not, not exact correlation, but there was a lot of overlap. Um, and um, we, found, we found him through, through a group, funnily enough. We were looking for um, someone... We were looking for a, for a tech lead that we knew that that was sort of strategic enough that could that could grow and lead quickly from the technology side, but also was kind of still growing enough that, that they wanted that they wanted to get into the code. And Dan was that perfect blend of sort of strategy meets uh, tech. So yeah, so it, it was quite funny. Like when we we first we you know met met for drinks in person um, in 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 Spitalfields where our head the Cuckoo headquarters now is. Um, yeah, and you know you know when you just meet someone you're like yes yeah it's um, on we're ready it's, it's on it's yeah. on yeah so the three of us get on really well um and it was crazy we started we, we started full time in uh the i still remember it third of february 2020 there was um so me me out and dan using a co-working space in uh second home in spitalfields do, do you know it yep yeah yeah, yeah. 
Nice. Um, so it's quite a nice space. Yeah. We still use it. Um, and we were just using the like co-working area, like where the freelancers kind of hang out. Yeah. Probably annoying people because we were just chatting, chat, chatting away about broadband. Um, yeah. And we just spent those first few months just building Cuckoo, like basically building a broadband company. Um, and I think we worked it out. We, we launched from from the February the 3rd to the time we went live was roughly about 60 days. It was a couple of, only a couple of, about four months. Pretty quick. Yeah. It, and it, what was crazy was the first month we were in person and we were thinking, we're going to build a London company, a London-based team. Cuckoo's going to be headquartered in London. Then the global <laughs> pandemic hit. Yeah. And we were all forced to work remote. Um, and I'm sure you've probably found this as well, with, you know, in your, your day-to-day. But what we found is so we were working remote. And then when we came to start scaling the team a few months later, we were like, do you know what? Why don't we just look nationally? Um, so some of the some of the best people in our team are from Leeds or, or Scotland. And, you know, and yeah. we've got people down far down as Cornwall. And it was the best decision we ever made was just committing to remote Nice, very good, and 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 one of the things I was I was also reading up on uh, when doing my my homework was that you you did the the branding yourself, right? You went out and you went had it costed and looked at an agency, and it was like what seventy five grand, and obviously that's quite a lot of money when you're a startup bootstrapping to go let's whack seventy five grand on having someone come up with our our sort of branding and and design. So obviously had you that you've got a background in doing all of that stuff so I suppose that was a a real added benefit and bonus but I'd love to hear more about how you went through that process of I suppose coming up with the you know the the brand and the the design work for for what is now Cuckoo. Yeah so it's it's funny when in previous roles you know that amount of money that we were quoted for the brand um isn't actually substantial you know actually rebrands and brands branding you know design systems cost you know can cost upwards like three, yeah, I know. three yeah. four times that um so actually that was a good pro- that was a good quote uh but the, yeah. but the thing is where we were at that time in journey we'd only just secured it essentially was was an angel round where it was friends and family our own savings proper like kind of just grafting for money yeah. um so we weren't in a position to spend it anyway and yes, yeah, so, so luckily, obviously, my background is as, as a designer. Um, yeah, and I'd always, do you know, I'd always wanted to grow something from nothing uh, myself. And that was kind of, it was kind of a little bit of a passion project for me as well, that not only was I, we were trying to build the broadband company, but for me, it was about building, building that brand. You know, my, my, our mission is to build the most loved, largest and most loved provider in the UK. And that's still something we're trying, that's still something we kind of talk about. That's what we're trying to do. Um, so yeah, it was all about kind of how do how do we create the most loved brand? Yeah. Um, so I had a few principles and stuff that I knew we wanted that we were going to stick to. Um, just like thinking back, you know, the Cuckoo Compass, for example. I remember driving. I don't know if yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cuckoo Compass, but um, worth explaining for everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, one percent so the cuckoo compass is essentially like our moral compass our internal moral compass but it's also kind of like our charity arm if you if you if you will for lack of a better word we donate one percent of every single customer bill to charity but through projects that we directly support so we partnered with a charity called jangala they're a uk-based uh, charity um based in Walthamstow, north london 
they basically create internet boxes, which get, get internet to places that it's needed most, like hostile environments, refugee camps, developing communities. So we made a conscious decision from day zero of Cuckoo. I remember I was driving around, I was driving around Isle of Skye with my wife. Um, and we had this idea around the Cuckoo Compass. So I called, so I called Alex and Dan, I was like, so this might sound crazy, but like, what if we built this 1% into to just the core of Cuckoo from day zero? Um, and they were they were all over it, loved the idea, and we you know we we launched with it. So it's not, I think yeah. So the thing is, it's not it wasn't like an add on. It was you know from day one, and and as we oh, as our customer base grows, that one percent is obviously having more and more impact. Yeah. Um, so I know we're currently looking at getting uh, these big boxes out to Ukraine at the moment. Oh, nice, um, awesome. And then uh, and then also we 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 just got a school live in Ghana, which serves up to two thousand students. Yeah. So yeah, so the reason why I call that out is I guess there was a few like sorry, the reason why I've called the cookie compass out is there was a lot of brand kind of principles that we wanted to launch with. Things like you know, don't tease and squeeze, like don't lure people in with this cheap contract and then whack the price up at the end. Why can't it just be consistent price? Why maybe we don't need to lock people into a contract? What if people what if we just did one month rolling from the get-go? Um, and all these kind of decisions started building a picture of what we wanted Cuckoo to be. Essentially, it was, you know, you know strong, strong ethics, sort of the, the 1%, um, et cetera. And also making, from the user experience perspective, making it as simple as possible. So we had these, which was kind of our foundations. And then, and then it was like, then the kind of visual identity came off the back of that, the kind of the core brand. Um, yeah, I, I, I pulled in help from a friend of mine, Ed, who... Funny enough, now is our senior brand designer or digital designer yep. uh, in house. But at the time, he only, he joined us um, end of last year. But back in February 2020, we just pulled him in for sort of a few days here and there to kind of to kind of to help to help me define the visual identity. So yeah, everything you see, the logo, color palette, everything was done in house. The initial one, um, yeah, many many nights. Drinking Negronis, I remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the we went through. There's, I think Ed counted. I think we'd we'd iterated on about sixty different types of eggs. Okay. Wow. Um, it's a lot of eggs. Gone through. We went around the house. We tried. We explored a number of different routes. Like, what what is the identity? Um, I'd gone through some really like crass chickens and people. I remember the first investors actually were like, that that's not a cuckoo. That's actually a, a chicken that you've got. <laughs> so, there we go. Um, that was V1. So that, that didn't make it very far. Yeah. Um, V2 is the egg that you see today. Um, but that's amazing. Yeah. It's really good to sort of understand that um, on that journey, it's not something that sort of happens overnight. You don't just suddenly instantly land on what is like the perfect, um, perfect version and perfect you know, branding and logo and all these different things it's an iterate iterative process that you've got to go through i think that's really important for people to to probably understand if they're looking at you know building their own businesses that you know don't don't be concerned if you're not getting it right first time it takes time you know it's the added age of the rome wasn't built in a day is very very cliche thing to say but it's, it's true ultimately you've got to go through these things to to get to where you want to be yeah and and it's worth probably commenting now as well so yeah v1 which was like pre-angel round of investment the investment deck was the chicken <laughs> which which then once then then sort of yeah then february moved towards the, the sort of 
the, the, the egg, which is much more iconic, I guess, um, that we see today. Um, we've actually just gone through another round or kind of, it's not a rebrand as such, it's more of an evolution. So it's the same principle, same brand principles, except what we've done is we partnered with um, an agency called Studio Output, who I'd worked with before on sort of the, the, the JK Rowling Pottermore stuff. Yeah. Um, creative, amazing creative director there called Joanna, Joanna Drew, um, who's a friend of mine. And basically which they became like an extension of my in-house design team. And we worked together collaboratively on, 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 the, on what's going to be the new brand. It's actually not launched yet. If you look at on our social, it's live, but the website, the, there's a new marketing website um, sort of being built at the moment by our dev team, which will be live kind of, I hope, probably in, in April sometime. But um, yeah, so what we've done is we've refreshed the color palette. It's much more punchy. Yellow is still the primary yellow, but it's much more, um, it's, it's kind of matured, I'd say, as, as a brand in terms of our messaging, in terms of, um the, the visual identity is yeah just it's yeah maturation i'd say yeah but, um yeah very exciting but like just to just to echo what you say you know these things are constant we're constantly evolving our design system um and constantly evolving the brand um so yeah <laughs> and and so talk me through as well the the process of i suppose becoming a co-founder of the business because when you first started out you weren't sort of officially a co-founder in in the company um although you were one of the founding founding team members um so i suppose talk me through through that process and i suppose why why as a business you made that decision to to sort of you know, change it further down the line as opposed to from from day one because i think that's an interesting dynamic that not not everyone has the same sort of way way that they sort of set things up yeah so yeah, the, the, probably more of a question about Alex. So the, the how that so when when I when we first kind of joined when I first joined Cookie or, or sort of started it with with Alex. Alex was the main sort of founder. Um, yeah, he, he was the primary investor in in the first round, and also um, it was kind of it was his initial sort of idea or seed yeah. or whatever. So understandably, um, he didn't want to commit necessarily to that that sort of co-founding team as it were right off the back and we and that and that was fine that was kind of an agreement that we we had in place but there was always um a route or a pathway to co-found it if things had worked out yeah um for both for both dan and i um so yeah it was more of it and then and as we, we then launched and then we launched a number of products we started growing the team and then that was kind of there was a point i can't remember what it was it was sort of 20 early 2021 um so we had alex had the conversation with us it was like yeah it's you know no brainer so it was kind of more it was kind of a informal and organic i'd say yeah um, but it was kind of always it was always part of the plan have you have you noticed any difference from being you know not not officially a co-founder in the business to being a co-founder in the business or is it, is it just business as usual is it sort of the day-to-day just just the titles changed or has, has your job role changed at all in terms of that specific part of of it Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that because Dan and I were involved from, from day zero, even before we went full time, I was already working on the brand, um, sort of helping raise investment and that kind of thing. Um, I, I'd always kind of felt like a co-founder, even though, you know, it's a founding team, co-founder, you can use the terms interchangeably. Um, but I guess when I was 
when we were officially recognized, I guess, as co-founders, you could say. Um, I don't necessarily think our role changed. I think we were already, we were, we were already kind of in, our, in that mindset. Um, but I do think there's, there is nuances and subtle change things that as a co-founder, you just, you do, you do see things differently. You do see the business more, I guess, as your baby. You are more yeah. emotionally invested. Um, and whether that's, you know, things really, I don't mind saying this, like things do really hurt me and upset me, right? So like what every one star trust pilot review that comes through, because we get them, right? You know, it's, we're everyone's, not everyone's perfect. You can't be. Um, I, I think if you, if you are seen to be perfect, then that's probably less, well, it actually is the psychology is, that is there for everyone to see. It's less trustworthy than, uh, than people who have flaws ultimately in their, their products and bad reviews or actually make make a company more trustworthy yeah yeah definitely and we are rated excellent by the way yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah i you know that and that that don't generally like it impacts me so i will we'll take it quite to heart and we'll we'll look at exactly what's happened and and why that why that was the case and obviously look to it to remedy it so we can avoid it happening in the future and there's things like you know when you've got an employee maybe or a team member that maybe maybe they're going through something or they're unhappy or whatever it might be you know those kind of things i think as a co-founder you naturally naturally do it hits you harder than it would i think because you've got that sense of ownership over the business yeah um yeah so and I, but i mean day to day day to day we've got the, the sort of senior leadership team at cuckoo is is sort of tabitha heads up um uh, she's vp of marketing uh, Dan's VP of tech, Alex CEO, myself VP of products, um, and we're um, we're actually hiring a VP of ops at the moment who will lead the service, help lead and scale the service team. Um, but sort of those 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 sort of four pillars, essentially, what makes Cuckoo. Um, and I, and I think we don't even though you know the three of us co-founders, we don't really. Like, Tabitha is basically also you know for all intents and purposes it's exactly the same as us. I'm sure she Tabitha and you know, probably feels exactly the same as we do when it comes to things like you know things like team culture um sort of hiring and team well-being and and reviews and everything like that yeah um so and that's the thing and that's the really thing that stood out to me about being in a startup is how invested everyone else is yeah. like i've never worked with so many passionate people in my life and it's just a pleasure to work with everyone every day you know and when we get together in person like last friday actually we all met at Cuckoo HQ in Spitfields. So everyone came down from Scotland, Cornwall and Plymouth and whatever. Um, and yeah, it's just so energizing to see people that are all kind of aligned on a cause and like the mission that, that everyone wants to do, what everyone wants to do better for, for, for the broadband industry. So yeah, it's really cool to see. And I think it's that that's a really important thing to, to sort of mention as well, that because you've got um you know, it's mission driven in terms of your business, in terms of what you're doing, but there's also um, this sort of underlying sort of 1%. So you're, you know, philanthropic part of the business as well, where you're giving back. It's not just all about driving profits, take, 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 which I think some of, you know, generally not just in the, the broadband space, but in the, you know, the, the, the business world, some of the bigger businesses are, accused of um you know right say rightly or wrongly but they're accused of just being all about profit and you're uh, a number in a big machine one of you know 
hundreds and thousands of people potentially. So, um, but coming into a smaller business whereby you've, you've got all of those other things, it really shows shows that you're moving in the right direction, trying to challenge things in the right way, um, but also can attract the right type of people that want to come on that journey with you. So have you found that that's been a really important part of your, I suppose, your messaging when when looking to hire people in what is a pretty tight tight time to hire people across the board in all all sectors you know the the talent market is is pretty crazy right now so what have you what have you done to, to elevate yourselves to get the right people on board good question hiring i think has been a realization for me actually has been it, the, the, the hiring the right people is like is is everything and and I'm, we've been really fortunate so far that we we've actually we've been we've made some really good hires um we've just re, not too long ago we we realized we could we couldn't keep doing it ourselves so we've we've hired an incredible um sort of had a talent lead uh, called rosie um who's really helped mature and elevate the kind of everything from the, the process from finding candidates that sort of recruitment funnel um right through to the onboarding process um, and it's really showed to me like the, how you, you need to invest in the people and whether that's the people, not just the people team, but, but the people themselves. And I think one thing that we've looked for um, about, I think it was back in about October last year, uh, I ran a workshop for values, company values, where we got the whole team to London and we kind of brainstormed, workshopped, kind of old school style post-its. Like what it, we, we use this, tool called well it's a process called wi-fi funnily enough yeah, yeah. Uh, i wish i could um paint in it but it wasn't my idea uh it's so it'd be wouldn't it be fantastic if and we frame that around cuckoo so wouldn't it be fantastic if cuckoo was like x y and z and we had about i think it was 150 submissions um or ideas around wouldn't it be fantastic if cuckoo was like this um and then we then kind of diluted that down into four themes um which ultimately for like in, in layman's terms was love, love our customers, put customers first, um, look out for each other. Um, and uh, sort of stats, so you've got love the flock, is, the, yes. is that what is the love, love the customers. Um, you've got stand up, speak out, which is kind of like our activism, um, the kind of like the rallying cry yeah. um, to, uh, to, 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 I don't know if you know this, we've done a few things with, with MPs in government trying to fight yeah. the broadband tax and, and uh, a few other things. So yeah, so we, you know, Alex's background in, he was actually uh, uh, worked for the treasury as a spokesman so, and, and, and his PR background. So lends himself, he's very passionate about trying to enable change in, in a, a government level. Yeah. So you know, we've, and that's where the, the our company value stand up, speak out comes from. So it's not just it's stand up, speak out. If you see something wrong, like in, within the team, like, you know, bad, bad, you know, Maybe someone's, if, you know, if there's an issue, but then also it's bigger than that. It's as a brand, we need to stand up, speak out. Uh, yeah, love the flocks, love the customers. Champion each other is about like, as it says, it's, it's kind of all about rising each other up, like a um, rising, rising tide rises all ships and yeah. apply that to the team as well. Um, and then the last one is race to the future, which is one of our design principles is trailblazing, um, which is all about, you know, not looking necessarily to what our peer, uh, the other competitors are up to, but just paving the way. Um, 
and and race the future is all about yeah not being afraid to be that kind of that pilgrim that kind of um forefront yeah so those four values are essentially what we look for and we use them in every interview nice um, and, and so, they came they came from the people within as well which i think is really important it's not just you know the the three of you sort of going hey let's let's come up with some some great ideas there's stuff that have come from from within the the, the rest of the group as well which again i think is an important thing for for people to to try and uh, evolve in terms of their values from when they first start to then thinking about okay well who have we got here now what are we what does everyone else want the values to be as well making sure that's that's sort of all filtered through um something else i wanted to ask you about as well was that your journey from you know where you've taken been uh, in you know design and uh, ux as we've mentioned earlier to now your current title is vp of product as you you mentioned so um the i suppose the differences in terms of working as a head of ux or head of design to moving into that sort of head of product role because the, fundamentally they have have differences in terms of what you're doing so how have you found that and is it an easy transition and what what sort of things have you had to had to sort of learn yeah the, good question the my, like you say my background is is really user experience design strategy creative direction that kind of thing however some independent clients i've worked for previously i'd kind of been kind of acting i guess like product owner as well as the sort of UX lead on it. So I had had experience prior, um, but not necessarily um, not necessarily within a team or leading a team or a company level. And then when I when we started Cuckoo, my my title, official title was head of brand and user experience, but I was actually that I was the product owner essentially. We've now got a we've hired a, a great product owner called Matt, um, but up until he joined, I was the acting product manager for Cuckoo. So that's basically the first kind of two years of Cuckoo. I was the, the, the only product person, but I was, so I was kind of, my role was kind of hybrid. It was brand, it was brand design and product for intensive purposes. So, and how we were working was because it was only me, Dan and Alex for so long. Um, you know, it was just me feeding requirements to, to, to Dan very like ad hoc. So it was a little bit loose. Um, and we work great like that. We're quite scrappy together. We can kind of, um, you know, we, you know, we, we kind of, we, now that we know each other so well, um, yeah, we kind of just, we know exactly what each other's after. Um, but then as we sort of started scaling the team, we, that we needed to put more process in place. We needed to get better at prioritization, defining requirements, um, you know, aligning people behind the strategy, all those things that, you know, a product person would do or a product manager would, would own. So I kind of took that upon myself um to, to, to kind of own and we worked yeah for the first few years we worked in a kind of traditional there'd be anyone could submit ideas on in our slack channel um we called a product request channel and then it would be prioritized by sort of myself um, and alex and co um, and then it would go into sort of research or ux design process with the ux team the design team um, before then going into into, into build sort of a classic agile kind of iterative cycle and what we've moved to now that we've scaled the team now we have product managers um and, and a bigger pool you know, much more developers we're actually looking to move to this a structure called squad structure yeah. um which is uh yeah and lots of people will be familiar with it but it's kind of our own take on it so we're gonna have a customer experience squad and a growth squad so one leading on marketing and growing the business and one supporting our, our customers and giving them the best 
CX possible. Um, and each one will have their own product manager. And, and the whole idea is that they're actually autonomous. So no longer will the requirements come from, say, me and Alex down. It will be the, the squads themselves will have their own goals defined. And then it's up to them what they deliver on and work on. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. That's all because it come in the next few months. Nice. So lot, lots going on. And, and ultimately, the transition wasn't uh, a quantum leap because I suppose like every good startup, you were you were wearing many hats and uh, doing doing lots of different roles whilst your title was one thing. Effectively, you were still doing doing the role anyway and um, getting to getting to learn how that works as you went. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was, it was felt it was it was more of a organic transition, I'd say, to kind of it was more of an elevation of what I'm already doing. Um, and the way that we're going to organize ourselves is sort of brand and design will sit under products. Yeah. So I'll still be sort of responsible for that. And I just have the additional kind of scope of of things like you know, um, the product managers and product type, product specialists. Cool. Very good. Well, look, normally I will finish up things by asking uh, a question that can hopefully hopefully help people uh, in terms of you know their their future growth and and learns and things like that. So I suppose the, the question to you is what would you say is your your probably your biggest learn from from going from the world that you were in at, at Nissan and very you know big structured corporate business to to running a, a startup at, at day one. Um, what's the you know the the biggest thing that you think that you have have learned from coming from those two environments? Think about that. <laughs> it's a big question, I know. Biggest thing I've learned. It's quite a hard one because you learn so much. It's like every day is a school day uh, yeah. in, in this world. If I was gonna pinpoint something, you know, one 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 thing, one thing I think we've got quite good at and I think we've learned to be quite good at it's like and this is I'm hoping this doesn't sound too cliche but it's like working like quick and dirty and and, and, and this is just one of the biggest things I think we you know releasing little and often things that are maybe a bit broken just getting it out there for customer feedback we've it has been the best thing that we've done we put something out we learn from it yeah Um, and Basically, when you when I've previously worked in you know agencies or big in-house companies or whatever, you know there's a they lean on the side of caution and it will be a finished finished product. Even in the agile world, it will still be like quite polished a polished release or a polished feature feature update or whatever. Um, whereas with us, we've got quite you know we just throw stuff out there, see what sticks. Um, so that that's been um, yeah, that's been huge nice. for us. Yeah, that's quite a nice. That's, that's, quite that's, an, that's quite a nice that's learning. Not, wait, I can give a better answer than that. Sure, that was I kind of froze then. Um, I quite like I quite like that though because I think you've um, you know it's 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 the learn of don't be afraid to 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 put stuff out there, right? You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect to to get it out. And I think that there are lots of companies out there that, as you say, uh, do wait for even in an agile world. You know, they're probably working more waterfall because they wait for something to be. You know, more polished before they they release it and you know, the best thing that you can probably get is by putting things out there getting customer feedback and then iterating again and, and going so yeah for me that's that's a really, that's a really great 
great sort of piece of advice and uh, a great lesson, I suppose, that, that you can sort of compare between those two worlds. So, yeah, if you're happy with that, then... <laughs> I'm happy with that. Happy with yeah. That. All right. We'll stick with that. In which case, Tommy, I will say thank you very much for your time. It's been really great having you on the, the show. Uh, and yeah, I, I really look forward to, to seeing sort of Cuckoo grow. I think you've got a great you know, mission behind what you're doing. Uh, so you know, long may the success continue. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of the sunshine. You've been listening to Fireside with Founders. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, hope you can join us next time. If you've enjoyed this episode, can you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button and follow us for more amazing stories from awesome founders about their journeys to start up stardom.